Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. There appears to me to be two types of Christians in the most general terms. On one side, you have Christians who are not only concerned about, that are only concerned about what is happening here and now. Rarely do they speak of the age to come. On the other side, you have Christians who are only concerned about the age to come and forget about all the needs that are now, that are in the present. Where do you think Lutherans fall in this, this sphere of things? To be honest with you, it really depends on who you're talking to and when you're talking to them. Let me tell you, I've been all over this uh, perspective over my years of 30-some years of life. I I think before college, I was very much on the side of the age to come, really focused on that. Then I went to college and became very social justice-minded and swung far to the left. I went back and I've been reading some of the sermons I preached when I first went into ministry, and I can't believe some of the stuff I got away with saying or even said. I was really much focused on what we can do, our works, on our social ministry programs. I feel like I matured over these past seven years. I've, I've tried to really concentrate on swinging back to the middle. I credit much of this to you all for calling me here and teaching me things. I credit the Senate for teaching me a lot. If, for really, if all we ever do is focus on caring for the needs of the people in the present, that will become very burdensome. Jesus said, you will always have the poor with us, with you. Day after day of this work and not see any improvement can, can do a lot of harm to a Christian psyche. Instead of joy and growth through good works, we essentially create a vast army of broken down, tired Christians with nothing to look forward to, no hope of the future. That's why I've resisted participating in the ELCA's God's Work Our Hands Sunday. Because I don't know what the point of the day is. Is it just to wear our shirts and do some community service projects one day a year? What happens the other 364 days of the year? What is the point of doing these projects? To just make us feel good inside? Or to proclaim the kingdom of God has come near? And most often it's the first to just make us feel good. And that's sad. It's a sad indictment of the fact that we have forgotten That it's not our works that matter to God. Article 6 of the Augsburg Confession, titled in the Latin version, Concerning the New Obedience, in the German translation, the German rendition, is titled, On Concerning Good Works. It reads, Likewise, they teach that this faith is bound to your good fruits, and that it ought to do good works commanded by God on account of God's will, and not so that we may trust in these works to merit justification before God. For forgiveness of sins and justification are taken hold of by faith. For Ambrose says it is established by God that whoever believes in Christ shall be saved without work, by faith alone, receiving the forgiveness of sin as a gift. Then we go to the other side of perspective. Christians who are so focused on the age to come that they sensationalize the end of time. They write books based on misinterpretations, on false narratives, on incorrect facts. They ignore the hungry and the poor because in the new age to come, there will be no more poor. So forget all those who are suffering now. Those who suffer now will not suffer in the future. So the best thing we can do is usher in this new age as fast as possible. 
If that means destroying our world so that God has to speed up God's timeline, then so be it. For it's all about the end of time. Neither of these extremes are healthy. And oftentimes, Lutherans, we find ourselves in the middle of both of these extremes. Or some, actually, we find ourselves either on one side or the other, never in the middle. And we need to be more in the middle. We need to focus on not just improving the lives of the people here and now, good and holy work that we should be doing because doing this work shows the age that is to come, what that age looks like. But we also need to give people something to hope in, to have hope in. We need to tell people that their work is not in vain, but that Jesus Christ is present here and now and will be present in the age to come as the King and Lord of all. And the things that we are fighting against will not prevail in this, in this next age to come. We need, to give something, we need to give people something to hope for. And that is what apocalyptic stories are supposed to do. That's what this gospel is meant to do. And yes, I know we get really uneasy around these stories, especially about the temple being destroyed, buildings being toned, torn down stone by stone. That doesn't sit well with us. I don't like the idea of brick by brick our church being torn down. And I can assure you it didn't sit well with Luke's audience either. It's been about 10 to 15 years since the destruction of the temple when Luke wrote his gospel. Luke's community, like most Christians' community of the first century, are still trying to make sense of the temple being destroyed. For Luke, he has a pretty positive opinion of the temple, unlike in some of the other gospels. Simeon enters a temple guided by the Spirit. If God doesn't like the temple, why would Simeon... Or why would God send Simeon to the temple to meet the baby Jesus? We're also told in chapters 2, 18, and 19, that's a place of prayer and fasting. We also read the story of Jesus going to the temple and teaching in the temple and learning in the temple. Jesus attempts to protect the temple as a place of house and prayer when he drives out the corrupt money exchangers. And later on in the book of Acts, Luke continues... With this positive view of the temple. Peter and John attend the hour of prayer at the temple and heal a crippled man who entered the temple with them. The apostles teach in the temple regularly. In fact, every day in the temple they taught Jesus as the Messiah. If it was such a bad place, why would they go back to it? In chapters 25 and 22, Paul claims to have called, has no cause against the temple. Paul even received, he says he receives his revelation of Jesus' gospel in the temple. Luke clearly has no ill will for the temple, yet it was still destroyed. And he and his community are trying to figure out what its destruction means. Jesus' words about his destructions are not merely symbolic here. Something really bad happened to a place that is said to be the dwelling place of God here on earth. But isn't that true for most things in life? Bad things happen to all of us all the time. Sometimes daily we experience pain and loss. Persecution is not out of the realm of possibilities for followers of Jesus. Destruction and death are not absent from any of our lives. Yet our Lord's message in the face of persecution, death, and destruction is one of hope. Not a hair on your head will perish. Even when your family turns against you, casts you out, takes away your personal identity, do not see that as a time to run away in fear, but see that as a time to witness to Jesus Christ. 
Jesus says this will give you an opportunity to testify. Our Lord will give you the words and wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. We need not prepare a defense in advance. God's word will come out of our mouths. God's wisdom will take down the wisdom of everyone else's. For no one is more wise than our God, and we share in that wisdom. Even though we might have logic on our side, evil will still win over the hearts of the foolish. Jesus says, they will put some of you to death. You will be hated all because of my name. Sometimes it might seem as though we have lost the battle, and maybe that is true. Maybe evil does prevail a time or two, but God will win the war. Jesus says, but not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. Not a hair on your head will perish. Not a hair on your head will be lost. Our God cares so much about you, so much about your well-being, that God cares about the hairs on your head. And if God cares about the hairs on your head, imagine how much God cares about your hands. Your feet, your heart, your splagizumai, one of my favorite Greek words. Your eyes, your ears, your mouth. God cares about you and wants the very best for you. And that is why we need not to care and worry. That is why we need to care and worry about the people who are suffering. We need to pray for them. And we also need, if we are able, to rescue them. We also need to be faithful to faithfully proclaim that Jesus our Lord will have the last word. That Jesus our Lord will not allow evil to win the day. Jesus our Lord cares even about the hairs on your head. And not a single hair on your head will perish. You will gain your soul because of your endurance. Because of your persistence. You will know the Lord. The empire will not win. Satan will not prevail. They might tear down our temples and tear, down, tear us apart. But they will not win. God has won the battle. And though you might suffer today, joy will cometh in the morning. Joy will come when the Son of Man returns and all the tyrants will be torn down from the thrones by Michael and his vast army of angels. And we will meet God along with all the saints who are still living and who have died. And we will see that, we, that what our Lord has promised is true, that not a hair on any of our heads had been harmed or destroyed. And we will be with the Lord so until then, my brothers and sisters, let us live in the middle, caring for the hopeless while also preaching hope, enduring the hate of this age, and pray each and every day that the Holy Spirit will come and give us the faith, give you the faith and endurance to face these days ahead with a holy persistence and wisdom to speak truth to power.